Hey there everyone, it is Denise Salcedo. Welcome back to the channel. My guest here for today is none other than Brody King. What's up, Brody? Hi, Denise, how are you? I'm very excited to have you on today's show because I don't know if you remember, but you and I have actually done an interview before a couple years ago. You appeared on X-Pac 12360 and I got to kind of chat with you a little bit on that show. So it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a fun time as well. It definitely was. So I can't wait to talk to you today because I feel like there's so much to get into. But before we get into all of that, how are you doing? How's the travel schedule? I know you've been bouncing back and forth from city to city. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, the travel's fun. It's not too bad. Uh, you know, I usually take the last flight out on Tuesday and the first flight home on Thursday. So I really only am out maybe 36 hours out of the week. So it's not that bad. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Brody, so let's kick things off with, I would say that the last year, there's been a lot of changes in your life. You know, you were obviously, you know, doing stuff with Ring of Honor and then Ring of Honor ended up going on this hiatus and, you know, people get let go from their contracts and all of that. And then you end up making your debut on AEW, the top of the year, and then the rest is history from here on out. So before we kind of get into all of the details of everything that happened, I kind of want to rewind to that beginning where ring of honor essentially announces that they're going on a hiatus uh what was your thoughts on that uh i kind of saw the writing on the wall i mean they were not they, they weren't renewing any contracts that were coming up and they weren't discussing it with anybody you know my contract was going to be renegotiated in december and it was uh about october i think when it was like when everything kind of shut down October, November, and they hadn't said anything to me. And I know a few others that they hadn't said anything to. And I was like, well, that seems strange that like they have all these big players that they probably would want to keep uh, with their deals coming up and, and nobody's discussing it with them. So it was like, I feel like a lot of people maybe wanted to pretend like that wasn't the case, but uh, you know, if you look at it in a business standpoint, that's probably not a good sign. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed like that, you know, especially since we were doing shows with crowds again, um, the crowds weren't great. And there's only so much you can do with a, a big roster with a lot of money and, and not a lot of people in the crowd. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, from there on out, you've, the, the announcement is made. Every, you know, people are let go, all of that stuff. What was your plan from there? Like, did you decide what you were going to go with in terms of, like, the your route in wrestling? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but do you still do work in uh, the studios in Hollywood and all of that with, uh, with the equipment and production end of things? No, I haven't done that in um, the last three years. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Anything. Um, I transitioned to full-time wrestling uh about 2019 like the end of 2019 2020 is when i kind of made my choice to go full-time wrestling and then the whole world shut down but you know ring of honor in one sense was very uh good to us i mean they, they paid out our contracts no ifs ands or buts like if you needed anything you could reach out to them and they would help you out with it so as far as the pandemic and stuff like that, we were we were very well taken care of from Ring of Honor, and uh, I'm very grateful for that because I had, you know, a son during the pandemic, and then I had a, a child born. My daughter was born in the pandemic, so uh, that was you know a stressful time if you don't have an income. Um, so they were definitely very very good to us. Uh, so, oh, sorry, go keep going. No, oh no, go, go right ahead. 
Okay, so like you know, you're mentioning this portion of like you're you know you're going from Ring of Honor and you're like wondering like what's next. Obviously, you know they paid the rest of your contract out and all of that. But um, when did you decide like hey, or when did the opportunity actually come about for you to go over to uh, AEW? So I mean, like when when the news for Ring of Honor broke, I feel like um, Malachi. Tom and I had already been discussing this House of Black dream scenario of like, what if and, you know, if it could happen and how to kind of get the wheels moving on that. And I think that we were already discussing like possibly trying to do uh, like PWG, like trying to like set the groundwork for it. So it was very much like in the in the works already. And we had already been, you know, discussing like the the what ifs and what we could do with it and like bouncing ideas off each other but i talked to tony very shortly after the news from ring of ring of honor broke and uh you know he invited me out to a couple of the shows and we discussed things and that's when the whole house of black idea really came to fruition and you know it seemed like a good fit and everything kind of fell into place so i I was very fortunate that like i kind of had a plan already and it just kind of was an easier decision you know there wasn't like well do i stay at ring of honor or do i go to AEW? like it was like well there's no more ring of honor so here we go it was one of those things where one door closes and another one opens i think that's a perfect example of kind of what you went through a little bit yeah and and that's kind of how i've always lived my life is to not put all your eggs in one basket because you know some days that basket's not there so you gotta be able to feed yourself somehow and here's the thing, too. So you go, you finally make your debut in AEW. What was walk us through what that experience was like for you to get this moment to make this massive debut. And, you know, like, I feel like with AEW debuts feel like a really big deal, like the fans really get into them and all of that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely nerve wracking. I mean, obviously, Ring of Honor was on national television, but on a much uh, lower scale, like, you know, you never knew what channel it was on or what time it was on. It's like with this, you can be like, oh, tune in on Wednesday at, you know, eight o'clock and you know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, it was my first time. Well, actually, it wasn't my first time. So I don't I hate doing the blackout like reveal because I just have this fear that I'm just going to fall and like break oh, my no. neck on the way to the ring and like they're going to restore the lights. And I'm like, you know, <sighs> unconscious on the floor. <laughs> So it's like I've never thought about it on the end of like the performer side of things. Yeah, like you're thinking you can't. I, I always just imagine that maybe you could see a little bit better when you're up close and personal. So some arenas are like dimly lit, which the one that I debuted in AEW was. Uh, when I did my Ring of Honor debut, it was pitch black in the ECW arena, and it was like me running down the ramp and hoping that I just didn't eat it on the way. So. It's not my favorite way to debut, but, you know, it, it makes for a, a good reveal. But, um, yeah, that, that day was crazy. It, you know, the crowd was going, chanting my name when the lights went out because um, Malachi had set all these, like, Easter eggs about me coming in. And then, uh, you know, afterwards, I, I think it was Sting came out to me. He's like, man, that was awesome. Like, you guys have such a cool look together. Like, you guys look so intense. I was just like you're fucking sting like this is this is like, you think i look cool bro you're sting <laughs> yeah so it, it was like on a whole different scale you know like i feel like 
when you're in Ring of Honor or if you're, you know, popular on the indies, you feel like more wrestling fans know who you are than really do. And then once you get to a platform like AEW or WWE, it's like it's a whole nother world. Like there's fans that only watch that product and only know of those people. So once you debut on, on national television, on live television, it's like all these people are being, uh, you're presented to them for the first time. So, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind with the, the nerve wrackingness is that, man, I hope I don't mess up. <laughs> It's always like first day jitters too, because you know, you know, you're getting familiar with the landscape of everything, the environment, and there's just like so many, you know, different people that you're working with, whether it's on the production side, on the talent side, it's just a lot of, of the newness factor. So uh, when you, you know, go into AEW, you had these conversations with Tony Khan, you, you know, you go in, uh, what was your, uh, I guess you can say, what was your perception of AEW like before you went into the company and then did that change or did that sort of evolve once you actually became part of the roster? Um, I mean, my perception was it was just, it was a good alternative to something like the WWE. And it was an alternative that I uh, liked a lot more. I mean, it was, it fit very much more into my style of wrestling and like to my beliefs in wrestling and, and everything kind of, in between uh a lot of my friends were you know some of the people that started it like guys like mjf jungle boy darby allen like all these guys were starting the company while i was starting ring of honor and it was like you know i'd be lying if there wasn't a little bit of jealousy once i started seeing that kind of blow up and it was just like man i, I wish i was over there with those guys and you know i kept in contact with them throughout the years and coming there they they welcome me with open arms and it's like so many people there that i came up with on the indies or you know met along the the years in ring of honor were now there and it's like it just felt like i was supposed to be there so it, it was a very welcoming and and still it, it feels like that all the time it's like you're going to work with your friends you're, you're not just going to a job that you don't want to be at just collecting a paycheck right yeah yeah and, you know, you kind of mentioned the, you know, kind of wanting to be there because you've seen this blow up. When, you know, with new wrestling promotions, like you never know what's really going to happen. And I would say that, you know, AEW has definitely had a lot of success. And we, you know, we've, we're seeing that in various examples. And so to, you know, kind of be able to be part of it uh, is really awesome. But there is this thing, too, where, you know, one of the topics of conversation for AEW has been all of this new talent coming in, this very, like, rotating door of new faces. And, you know, there's only, you know, three hours of TV time. Time, two hours with dynamite one hour with rampage i'm not including dark and dark elevation but uh you know when you have those three hours of tv time uh how is it for you guys in terms of like making sure that hey you know you're you're coming out on tv you're getting your opportunity to be on television you're getting x amount of time how do you make sure that like you uh you get that time and when you don't how do you kind of you know navigate that uh that's a good question um like you said i, I think there's 120 something wrestlers on the roster and obviously you know if you break that down into minutes of tv that's like i don't know that's not a lot so i think that the this the best part about house of black specifically is uh malachi has such experience with uh tv time and expect you know his time with wwe and he got to learn from a lot of great people there that gave him so much knowledge about how to um 
make the most out of something. And and I feel like he is so good at that, especially at AEW. With if we're given, you know, a 60 second promo, it's like this promo can feel like it was so much more in depth than just a minute long. And I, I feel like that's where you need to really succeed is if you're given a four minute match, you need to make people remember that four minute match. Or if you're given a 60 second promo, you got to give it all in that promo, not just, you know, stand in front of a, a backdrop and just say words like you got to make people feel it, like make them remember it and make them want more. The presentation of House of Black has been extremely cool. Like all the videos that you guys do, all of that. There's uh, just like the whole production aspect aspect of it has been really great. Uh, how have you felt in terms of like uh, how much creative input do you have and all of that? And how do you bounce off ideas with Malachi, with 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 Buddy Matthews, and and also with uh, you know the other people surrounding the uh, surrounding the production aspect of things? Uh, I mean, everything with the House of Black is very much a collaboration. Uh, usually one of us will come to the table with an idea and we all just kind of riff off of that and kind of make something out of that. Like, Hey, we have to do this this week, uh, whether it be a segment or a promo or a match, like, what do you guys think we should do? And everyone kind of gives like what they think they should do. And then we kind of take pieces from all of it and, and make the whole thing. So it's, it's really cool because like, it doesn't feel like one person is in control of the whole thing. Uh, you know, obviously, Malachi has a lot more experience and like he has the years in wrestling to kind of like guide uh, all of our ideas. And I feel like, you know, without him, it might not be as polished as, as it would be, but you know, buddy has been doing television wrestling for the last 10 years. And I feel like my time in ring of honor really prepared me for what I was to expect in AEW. And I feel like, if I went from the Indies to AEW, I wouldn't be as um, camera savvy and like I wouldn't be as comfortable in front of that many people. You know, not that there was that many people in front of Ring of Honor crowds, but uh, you know, it 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 prepared me for a lot as far as TV wrestling. I think it certainly did. It's one of those things where you like, you wonder like, why am I not here yet? Oh, well, it's because you had to do this first to make you better for when you are, you know, when you get to the destination that you've been trying to get to, like, you know, the whole journey, the whole thing, all of that. Uh, so you, let's talk about, because, you know, we've been talking a lot about Ring of Honor, a lot about AEW. So now we have this, uh, this, this, this change where all of a sudden those two worlds collided. You jump over to AEW, you're doing your thing there. All of a sudden, you know, a couple months later, Tony Khan makes this massive announcement that he has purchased Ring of Honor uh, as a performer. What was your thoughts as a performer, as a fan? What were your thoughts in terms of uh, Tony Khan making this purchase? Uh, I think it's awesome. I mean, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of really talented people in Ring of Honor, and like I felt like we had something that we could have done so much more with, but it we were just I don't want to say held back, but it, it was just so hard to get the people in charge to want to listen to us to because we felt like we had good ideas to get more buzz or to get you know more people to watch the product and it just wasn't translating and they, they felt like nothing was wrong and that they were just going to keep doing what they were doing but you know tony very much likes to listen to the fans and i feel like a as a fan himself he wants to see you know these certain scenarios play out like for instance, we've already had Suzuki versus Samoa Joe for a Ring of Honor title. And like, that's like, 
that's a crazy match. You know, that that reminds me of like Joe versus Kobashi in Ring of Honor. It's like I, Ring of Honor is very special to me because when I became a wrestler, I, I really started to dive into Ring of Honor. And that was my favorite wrestling to watch that. And, you know, 2005, 2006, Noah was was what was like setting the world on fire and changing wrestling. And for Tony to own the company, AEW, that, you know, kind of really, really changed wrestling and, and gave a a viable option to the other big company. And now he owns the company that kind of set the groundwork for all of it. It's like he can do so much with it. And there's so many people at AEW that have held um, the the Ring of Honor World Championship or just other championships in Ring of Honor that you can kind of tell a story with now. Like, you know, for myself, for example, if you had me on TV now, you can mention that I was Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion or Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Champion and that is canon within AEW now. And we've gotten a little taste uh, at the Ring of uh, the Supercard of Honor, a little taste of maybe what Tony Khan has planned for Ring of Honor itself. And obviously, we've seen a couple of Ring of Honor matches on AEW and all of that. But you know, we still haven't gotten an announcement yet in terms of like weekly weekly television, how it's going to correlate in regards to AEW and all of that. So as a fan, as a, as a former, you know, ROH talent, what would you like to see? Uh, what do you think is the best way for Tony Khan to sort of utilize uh, this new, this new promotion, uh, you know, for him, for ring of honor, what do you think is the best way to utilize that? I would like to see it become like what it once was like, it doesn't have to have, you know, the big production or anything like that, which, you know, I'm sure it probably will, but it, it just needs the diehard fans back. It needs people to to give their energy to the to the the performers in the ring. And you know, if it's a super indie, that's awesome. Like if it kind of travels around to different cities when there's pay per views or whatever, then that's cool. If it's just a traveling show or if it's a TV product, that's awesome as well. But I think it's a good opportunity to give a lot of younger talent a look that's not just you know dark or elevation. Like they can really get out there and kind of show what they have. Or if, you know, there's some undercard guys on ring or on AEW that need to really get out in front of a crowd and test some stuff out, then, you know, maybe ring of honor is a good uh, opportunity for that as well. Um, I think that there's a lot to be done with it. And, you know, I feel like the, we could go on and on about what could and can be done, but I'm, I'm excited for the future. I hope that we get to see, you know, some ring of honor legends come back under that banner and, and on that canvas and, you know, who knows, maybe we might see Daniel Bryant versus homicide or some, some crazy matchup like that. And stuff like that makes me really excited as a fan. Yeah, exactly. I think it needs to bring back the the cool factor of what Ring of Honor once once was. I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, being out here in the West Coast, I'd never got to go to Ring of Honor shows. And all I wanted to do was go to a Ring of Honor show, but you, they were always over in the East Coast. And so, you know, finally, they make their way out here. But a little by little, the company kind of started losing its buzz. So I do wish that uh, under a under, you know, Tony Khan's 
leadership. I hope that we can get Ring of Honor back to uh, what it was. And given what we saw at the Supercard of Honor, I feel like we're headed in a pretty good direction, which is pretty exciting. But now let's go ahead and hop into New Japan because that's one of the big reasons that we're here. Uh, you got two, uh, two tapings on May 14th in Washington, D.C. and another one May 15th in Pennsylvania. And you have two very, very different opponents. Capital Collision, uh, the first night, you're going to be wrestling Minoru Suzuki. The second night, you're going to be wrestling Jake something. So let's kick things off with how do you feel about going into the ring with Minoru Suzuki? And uh, what are your thoughts on all of that? Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are very intimidated by Suzuki. And I look at it like a challenge. You know, I've wrestled, I've got to wrestle uh, Okada in Japan. I've got to wrestle Ishii here in, in the United States. And it's like, I feel like these matchups have prepared me for someone like Suzuki. Uh, you know, he's a legend in his own right. He's gone through generations of wrestlers and like he was trained by Carl Gotch. It's like, he's about as pure of a professional wrestler as you can get. So just to be in the ring with him and, you know, win or lose you're going to learn something from this man that's been doing it for for years and years and years and I, and something like that is what m makes me excited as a professional wrestler to to get in the ring with him you know you know you're gonna be in a physical fight you know you're gonna get hit hard but sometimes i hit harder Oh, that's going to be fun. And as I was going to say, too, it's two different opponents in terms of like also like where they are in their career. So it's kind of like you're adjusting yourself, uh, you know, going with Suzuki and then going with Jake something. So uh, let's also touch on Jake something. How do you feel about going up against uh, him in uh, collision? So Jake something I've, I've been watching for years and we've never got the touch. Uh, I think we did AAW in 2008. 18 together like he was in a tag team uh with kurt stallion and i was a singles wrestler and then when i left the indies he kind of started doing his singles run and i've watched from afar you know I've, I've always been a fan of his work he's obviously got a great look he's a big guy and uh you know those big hoss matches is kind of what i live for those are my those are my favorites to do because you get to do all these things that people aren't expecting you guys to do and again it's going to be a painful weekend monday i'm going to need a couple ice packs because it's going to be hard hitting and uh you know pretty relentless back-to-back -back nights with two very tough competitors i think that's going to be fun uh for the tapings of new japan strong i think that things have definitely been like interesting with new japan strong like all of the different matchups that i've been seeing like promoted for different shows i've gotten to attend a couple of those shows uh how have you liked uh performing under the new japan strong banner uh i love it i mean I really love it because we got to start something new and it was very like, we didn't know what it was or what it could be. And it was just an idea. And then like coming out of the pandemic, it's just, I mean, we just sold out that venue in Chicago that was like almost 3000 people. And like, just to see, you know, going from 20 to 30 wrestlers in Port Wyneme to no fans to having 3000 people, while while they're you know new japan is creating these new stars like jr kratos and they're really putting a spotlight on the uh the young lions like clark connors and alex coglin and, and carl fredericks like you're you're exposing a different audience to these people that might have never gotten a chance otherwise and you're putting them up against formidable opponents and they're delivering so i think it's really awesome to have a alternative product that we are able to 
still have under the New Japan banner, and I still feel like it's like a New Japan product while still being in the United States. Exactly, and it kind of keeps the mark going here because with 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 uh with the pandemic and the travel restrictions and the issues, you know, I feel like New Japan could have easily lost you know their identity here within the United States, but you know, kind of keeping it going under this new banner with New Japan Strong kind of keeps uh, you know New Japan at the top of you know people's minds there uh, when they're seeing these shows and they're seeing them you know throughout the United States. So that's pretty awesome. So I do have to ask you because we're going into to, you know, we've been talking about a lot of cool things I think that have been happening in wrestling. We mentioned the purchase of Ring of Honor. We mentioned your debut in AEW. Now, one of the other cool things that is happening, we're talking about New Japan, AEW, the Forbidden Door, officially happening June 26th, United Center in Chicago. Uh, what was your thoughts to that? And what do you kind of hope to see out of that show? Man, I, I feel like the matchups like in my brain are like endless. Uh you it, new japan pro wrestling is is one of my it's my favorite wrestling on the planet like it, it just it that style and the passion behind it is like why i wanted to be a pro wrestler and why i wanted to work for new japan pro wrestling and uh to be able to do that and also represent aew at the same time it's like this is like you know my my heart in a in a pay-per-view like this is what I, I want out of wrestling. And I feel like the, the matchups that can happen, it's like I could just go on and on fantasy booking the whole thing. But it's like, you know, if we get Brian versus Okada or if we get another Kenny versus Okada or, you know, down the road, you, you have all these crazy matchups that, that you never thought possible before that could possibly happen now. You know, I would love to have House of Black versus Suzuki Goon or, or House of Black versus House of Torture. I don't know. There's just like so many options you know i love that i love that okay and then it was cool too like seeing all of the the you know the ticket sales did really well people are excited about going to this show it's it's kind of it feels exciting to be a wrestling fan especially for an event of this magnitude so now uh we are going to go ahead and jump jump into our final portion of this interview so brody basically what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask you 10 very random questions uh, you answer them however you please they're just a way to kind of get to know you uh a little bit more here so let's go ahead and get into it here we go uh question number one what would you consider the craziest thing you've ever done so uh <laughs> i mean the craziest thing i've ever done um probably moments after wrestling at madison square garden i drove to brooklyn and uh went to a drag bar and had a lip sync contest against the drag king so that that's that's a pretty good one. What songs did you sing? Uh, "Bad Romance" by Lady Gaga. Yes, yes. I, I take it you're a Lady Gaga fan. Big, very much so. Hell yeah, I love it. Oh, that is so cool. You know what? It's how you live your life. You celebrate this big MSG show. You go sing, have a good time, live it up in New York. I love it. Uh, number two, best thing about being a dad. All of it. It's the it's the best thing in the world. Oh, I love that. Uh, next question. Is there a tattoo you regret? Um, well, the one I did regret, I covered it up. So underneath this giant front piece is a tattoo I did not like at all. And that's kind of like where I'm at now is I don't have a lot of room for new tattoos. So I'm just covering up the ones I don't care for anymore. You're like, I'm done with this one. New one up there. <laughs> yeah, just put another sticker on it. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen PCO do? 
Oh my God. Uh, I mean, there's, I'll give you like a top three. Okay. So when he did the dive into nobody in Atlanta and he thought that there was two rows of padding and there was only one and he blew his whole face open. I was on the other side of the ring holding up two guys and he came around the corner just covered in blood. And I was just like, Oh my God, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, what? And then he had to get like a hundred stitches internal and external. And it like looked like a Frankenstein scar on his forehead. And the next day he like, he was like, it's pretty good for the gimmick. Right. I'm like, dude, I, what? Like I would cry if my face like looked like that, but he didn't care at all. Uh, another one was, he was wrestling Matt Taven. I think it was in Toronto. And I think this was a ring of honor world championship match. Possibly. They had a spot where um, Vinny Marseglia was, he slid in the ax and they were going to give him a drop toe hold onto the ax blade that was sticking straight up. And mind you, this was a real ax. Um, PCO just head butted the ax. And he, I have a photo on my phone where he just has a perfect line across his forehead that's bleeding so he just tried to decapitate himself with an axe uh and then there was the one at msg where he took a power bomb from the ring onto the floor uh and then he sat up and you know no sold it so those are like the top three that come off the top of my head but i'm sure that there's more um i could go i could do a whole podcast on crazy things that PCO has tried to convince me. <laughs> there's a good, there's a good podcast idea for you because man, that axe one, I can't even, I can't even fathom that whatsoever, but it's so cool because see, I've gotten to see PCO perform, you know, now a lot live and every single time I'm like, what the hell is he going to do? And every single time he crosses like this new line where I'm yeah. like, damn, I had no idea PCO would do that or could do that. So uh, it's pretty cool, but you know what, if it makes them happy, Hell yeah. yeah. Um, next one. Who's the funniest person backstage at AEW? Uh, Brian Danielson. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. What is it about him that makes him like really funny? He just always has some off the wall, like <laughs> idea or story. And he's just so good at like, he just grabs the audience of the entire room and just like brings them into whatever he wants to talk about. And it's, it's usually very entertaining. I like that. Next one. What's your favorite Rocky Romero story or moment? Um, my favorite moment with Rocky is probably wrestling him uh, at New Japan in the Ryugoku Sumo Hall. It was me and uh, Marty Skrull versus him and Okada. That was definitely my favorite moment with him. Oh, I love that. I love Rocky. He's great. Uh, next one. Top three favorite bands. Uh, Hatebreed, Terror, Marauder. If you could invite three people to dinner, past, present, or live, who would they be? Um, Henry Rollins, um, Malcolm X, and let's see. I don't know. Um, Lady Gaga. There we go. That's a that's <laughs> Lady a good Gaga. Lady's gonna people. say Lady Gaga, Malcolm X. Yeah. This is great. That's a weird. That's a that's a weird dinner party. But I feel like good conversation is to be had there. Yeah, for reals. Uh, favorite way to spend a day off? Uh, hanging out with my kids. And my last question: Do you remember the last thing you bought online? Uh, no, <laughs> I buy too much shit online. 
Alrighty, awesome stuff, Brody. I had a fantastic time chatting with you here today. It was a good time. I'm glad we got to reconnect once again. Uh, before we end this, please let the people know where they can follow you and plug in anything you'd like to plug in. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brody X King, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees Bro Brody King. Yeah, I don't even know my own name anymore. Uh, <laughs> you could also get House of Black merchandise on BlackMass.com. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Perfect. I'm going to go ahead and post all of the links to that in the description box below, as well as the New Japan shows and where you can get tickets, check out the show, etc. Thank you guys so much as always for watching. Do not forget to give this video a like, subscribe to the channel. And until next time, I'm Denise Salcedo. This is Brody King. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everyone.